Do you suspect or even know if your teenager is using drugs? Do you struggle with figuring out what to do next? Do you feel overwhelmed, scared, or angry? Well, you are not alone. This is the Teen Drug Abuse Podcast, where we explore all the signs of teen drug abuse, reveal science-based impact, and share potential solutions that might just be the next thing you need to try. Here's your host, Zeev Raviv. Hello, and welcome to the Teen Drug Abuse Podcast. Today with me is Stacey Miller. She's a training consultant. Her expertise is a drug misuse, all the way from New Forest, south of England. How do you do, Stacey? Hello, thank you for joining us. Hello, hello. How lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm, I'm good. It's exciting to meet and talk about an important topic, which is helping parents identify that they might have a drug misuse problem with their teens. And that's something that you have experience with helping parents with that. But can you tell me first, maybe your point of view of the different terms that some people say drug abuse and some people say substance misuse and some people say drug addictions and, and parents are afraid because they don't necessarily understand the differences. And of course, they don't want to be in this situation from the get-go. What do parents need to know about maybe just, just the terminology level? Yeah, sure. No problem. So what we call that is stages of dependency, because not everyone takes a drug and becomes addicted overnight. It's not quite as straightforward as that, which is probably a good thing. So the first level, there's kind of three main levels, really. There is experimental drug use. And that could be where literally someone, especially kind of teenagers, they're, they're curious they hear people take cannabis or vaping and they're like, oh, what, what, what is this? So, and it might happen a couple of times and that's it. It doesn't lead on to anything else. And then we can go into what we call recreational drug use, which is normally, again, not a completely abusive. Is circumstantial, might be because it's every time they go to a party or especially with sort of young adults, sort of like 18, 19, when they start going to festivals and raves, it might be because of that sort of environment. But typically, it doesn't affect their sort of day-to-day life. It's just normally a phase, normally. And then, so we've got experimental, recreational, and then sometimes, but not always, it can lead into what we call dependency, or sometimes we call it addiction. And that's where it does affect someone's day-to-day life. So it's going to create problems at home with family members. They might not be able to get to school, college, work. They might start getting lots of severe mental health problems, physical health problems, and it affects their day-to-day life. And that's really when it becomes a problem. Most people do not go into the dependency stage, depending on what drug you're looking at, obviously. I think it's a really important message for parents because sometimes parents think if their child has had a bit of an episode over a weekend, for example, and they've like found drugs on them, they think, oh my goodness, my my child is addicted to drugs and it's going to create so many problems. Most of the time, it's just them trying things out because they're a teenager, most of the time. That's encouraging. And how could a parent identify when it's starting to be a little bit more than recreational? Because it can be very scary, like, because those parties, they happen 
sometimes quite yeah, frequently. Do. Yeah. The thing to notice, I think, with any child behavior is normally like severe changes because sometimes a teenager will change because that's the age they are. So if they are getting a bit more moody and they're irritable and they're eating more and sleeping more, that sometimes that's just because they're a teenager. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily like, you know, getting absolutely wasted all weekend. So it's noticing sort of any key changes in behaviour, maybe like being secretive, not being able to get up for school, hanging around with different people. And again, that potentially could be all things related to other things. They might be struggling at school. It might not be to do with drugs. The best thing to do is to ask. <laughs> it's all about having an open dialogue as a parent, because sometimes I think parents think they have to be experts in everything. And that's impossible. You know, you you can't be an expert on drugs or mental health or whatever it is. And, and actually, children quite like the fact that their parents aren't experts. <laughs> they like the fact that they can say to them, oh, I don't know much about drugs, but I'd love to have a conversation with you about it. Children love that because then they can educate their parents, which is quite nice, isn't it? Because that doesn't happen very often. It's empowering <laughs> for them. And yeah. I mean, let's be honest. with all sorts of new drugs coming out and vaping and all sorts of things that you can put into your vets and whatnot. Like some of these things just did not exist no. 10 yeah. years ago. So you mentioned uh, the first sign is like a change in the behavior. Can you give a few examples of some of the things that a parent should look after and should look out for so that they will... Uh, yeah, sure. I'm just being mindful of what I say because sometimes it's um, it could be other things. So, you know, if they're not doing very well at school, for example, and their academic achievement has declined, yeah, that could be drugs, but that could be because they've got a new teacher that they don't get on with, for example. I think the key things to notice is if you find anything dodgy in their bedroom, so if you're finding anything, what we call paraphernalia, which is like your pipes and your gauzes and your long rizzlers and anything that you're like, what is this? Like, well, I don't let's know. talk about that. <laughs> okay. let's, let's talk about finding those things, because in order to yeah. find them, you, you need to look for them. So tell us, like, how do you transition from this friendly parent character to a parent yeah. that actually is conducting a search yeah oh okay well i'd be really careful about a search just because that is then saying to your child you don't trust them and going down the quite harsh punitive role i think especially if you're innocent and your parent is saying i'm gonna search your bedroom like you're gonna have a probably more disengagement with your parents, whereas in an ideal world, difficult at teenage years, but we wanna be working with our child and not against them. So I wouldn't do a random search unless the trust has really gone and they and you know they're taking drugs and you know that they're not abiding by your rules, then that's a bit different. But in the first instant, no, but naturally as a parent, you go in, you sometimes pick up the washing or 
empty their bin and you might see things you know keep an eye out that's what i would say because that's just smart it's not being suspicious or paranoid it's just keeping an eye out so for example um like rizzler papers which is smoking papers there's normal rizzler papers but then you've got very long ones as well (laughs) and if someone has very long ones and i'm talking like the size of my hand That's normally what we call king Rizzlers, you know, which are traditionally used for smoking a joint or a spliff or a doobie, whatever you want to call it, because everyone calls it different things around the world. And that would be a massive indicator of of a joint. But then smoking weed, is that necessary? I know it's often illegal in a lot of countries now. It's not legal in England, but I know it is in a lot of states. So it really depends. I would be more concerned with like what we call baggies, which are like little, like little clear bags with maybe a residue of a substance in it. Normally, it's like a bit of a white powder or potentially some sort of tablet. That's what I'd be interested in because that would that's not a bit of weed. I don't condone cannabis, by the way, but cannabis is pretty minor compared to like cocaine or ecstasy or ketamine, they're a bit more on the serious side. So it's looking out these little white bags with any kind of pills in or any kind of powder. That, I would say, is probably some sort of drug. Wow. This definitely brings back some memories. The first time we decided to do a search was <laughs> after... My psychotherapist heard me describe uh, the behavior of my kid and told me, well, you know, she was high, right? Because I didn't. I just wasn't sure what's going on. And that kind of gave me the the justification to search through her bag and to find a lot of tobacco for like with rolling paper and all sorts of like machinery that I did not know yet, actually, like to... To, to not just to wall, but also to kind of crush the, the 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 weed into final uh, yeah grinders and stuff like that grinders. Yeah. Thank you, and yeah. <laughs> and then uh, eventually I I found also a little plastic bag with the very like last bits of leftovers of weed. And uh, when my kid came back from her guitar class, I uh, confronted her. And I asked her about that, and we had a long conversation about about weed. And luckily, we have a very open communication style, so she was uh, very forthcoming. She 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 shared everything, but it was very scary because for me to see her like change dramatically, yeah. you feel powerless, you feel confused, you feel angry. Yeah, and it's it's a transition that is noticeable, but sometimes you need a bit of a. It's it's hard to talk to a young person as well when they are high, and I think that's just a really good little message. If anyone yeah. is listening and they think, "Oh, well, I think my child is is taking drugs," choose when you have the chat. If you don't want to be talking to your child when they're high, obviously, because they won't be a in a rational state, but you also don't want to speak to them when they're really hectic. So it might be like before school because they're in a rush to get to school and they're already late. 
It might be not even straight after school because they might need some food. (laughs) So choose your time wisely and be really open and say, look, you know, like, I love you so much and I really want to have like a chat with you about some stuff. And they'll be like, what do you want to chat about? And then it's like, and then you're quite relaxed. You're not going crazy because every kid thinks that the drugs talk is going to be like really bad and it's just going to create argument. And that's actually a good point, actually. It shouldn't ever be like the drugs talk in an ideal world. And this is difficult because who's confident to talk about drugs? Not many people. But in an ideal world, we should be talking about drugs now and again. As it as if it comes up on TV or comes up on the news, it's a really good opportunity to say to your kids, what do you think of that? And then you have a debate. Try not to go crazy if you don't get, if you don't, agree with what they're saying or for example I've done it with my niece recently she said oh cannabis is legal everywhere in the country I'm gonna smoke it and I just said well it's your choice I'm not your you know your mum I'm your auntie but why don't we do some research together because I've heard it's not great for your mental health for example she's like oh really so together we researched it not 100% convinced of I've changed my mind, <laughs> but she knows more now because we openly sat next to each other and researched it, which is a, and it was nice because we had a really good debate, which is wow. a good thing to have a debate with a kid. It's amazing. So there might be recreational drug use and there might be a dependency. And what do you do mm. when you start to, see the change is more dramatic it's not like one class that they are failing suddenly it's all of the classes that are failing yeah they're angry all the time with you they're constantly pushing you back as a parent they they are consistently moody they are sleeping weird hours you start to see them like making sure yeah that, I, uh, I hear you. i hear you so so this is it's an interesting one because it's quite it's quite difficult. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, it's not gonna be easy. Because often when they're in quite a chaotic state where they're out late, they're not sticking to the rules at home, that's a difficult time as a parent because it's stressful, you're worried, you don't really know what to do. As much as you can, you've got to stick to your boundaries and also prioritize trying to help them. So obviously, we're all very, very busy. And I know with my own mum and my brother, she doesn't always have time to keep checking up on him. My my couple of tips with that is always to have an agreement with your partner, if you have one, to agree on some boundaries, to make sure that you're on the same wavelength. Because from personal experience, my mum and dad are very different. And therefore, my brother... He's quite manipulative when he's using drugs and therefore he gets away with lots because the parents aren't being consistent. So that would be one little tip. Another tip is to enlist any other support that you can who they will talk to. So like most teenagers don't want to talk to their parents. They might talk to the cool uncle or the cool cousin or the neighbor that they get on well with get them to help you and say like can I get you to come in and come around for dinner one night or a cup of tea or whatever and chat to my son daughter because they're not listening to me 
keep your boundaries in place as well. Potentially get professional help as well. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in a sec because yeah. I want to talk about what is professional help that can that is available, and you have experience with that as a training consultant. But you said about the boundaries and how important it is that the parents will have, uh, when possible, of course, like a front, one front of shared, agreed upon boundaries. And I think that's super important. And you also mentioned how sometimes it's helpful to use a friend or, or a neighbor or an aunt. And this reminds me of this sentence that really helped me. I kept repeating it like a mantra in the darker days of like, it takes a village to raise a kid. Like you have a complete village around you of maybe the grandma or the the auntie or, or some, some nice neighbor. And those people, they can help you and you should be open with them. You should try to create uh, these dialogues because when you're trying to, when you're constantly afraid that, of stigma and of like, uh, what will people say? What will people think? Yeah. You can't really start addressing uh, the problem. So before we go into therapy, I just want to ask you, let's talk about like the minor drugs, because it's easier for a parent to, to be, to take action with cocaine and with ketamine and with these more addictive to the body type of drugs. And Weed, especially in countries where it's legal for adults, but illegal for like until age 18 or until age 21, depending on where you are in the world, or maybe illegal entirely for use. The, is it sort of like really something that parents need to worry about if their kid is in the dependent stage or dependency in weed? They, they, their kid is using weed every single day. They are clearly... With all the signs of changes, they are not really doing anything you know, mm. in school except for hanging out with the other kids that do drugs. Mm. And in that stage, is it really something that the parents should worry about and take mm. action? What are some of the risks involved yeah. in that situation? Okay. It's very interesting because cannabis in England, for example, has a lot of debate. There's a lot of debate. I am, I'm anti-cannabis in general just because I have seen so many people end up in psychiatric care because it really does affect their mental health. But then I also, I have friends, I've got some really good friends that have like smoked cannabis since they were sort of like a teenager, but on and off, not like every day. And they have good jobs and they're doing all right. So I think the first thing to make note is that most people do not get addicted to cannabis. Most people don't. However, there are always a few, select few. So for example, if you have a family history of addiction, then unfortunately that runs in your family and you're more likely to have that addiction issue. I think it's really important. And as a parent, it's important for you to know that because if you have addiction in your family, then maybe have a chat with your child and say, did you know that We've got addiction in our family, which means that if you take drugs, you're more likely to be addicted. Because most of the time, if you know that, then you're aware of it, then you decide against it most of the time. So, but there are a small amount that will get addicted, sadly. So the risks really are to do with their mental health. So people always say to me, what is the worst drug? And it really depends on if you're looking at violent crime or robbery or assault or the effect on the family, and definitely one of the worst for mental health. So when I say mental health, I mean like low mood, anxiety, 
like no aspirations to do well, boredom, memory loss, lack of concentration, all of that. Someone's taking weed, like my brother smokes weed every day, has done for years, and he acts like he's not all there. Like I have a conversation with him and it just goes, it just goes, it's like the lights are on and no one's home. And it's really sad. And he says to me that he feels addicted and that he will smoke it every day for the rest of his life, which I think is so sad. It is so sad and I'm so sorry. And, and they do say that. They say that they, want, they say that they want to continue. And I think that the emotional dependency, even if it's not an, like an official addiction in comparison to other drugs and whatnot, it mm-hmm. just becomes like something that you, you want to do. And you want to yeah, do to get continue. used to it. It's like a habit. It's a habit. It's, it's a, not always addiction. Yeah. It's a very unhealthy habit mm. that affects you in so many ways. Uh, some research research shows that it also affects your brain development. Oh yeah, it does. And when you go to like mental health hospitals, uh, with the risk of saying uh, like stuff that are based on on my own personal experience in my location, but the doctors are saying that. Many, many of the people that actually are hospitalized for mental health issues, they all have almost all have background of with addiction. And so it's not it doesn't affect everyone in the same way, in the same level. And that's why those signs are important. Well, let's say that you do get to the point. You do get to a point where you understand, well, it feels like an addiction. It's not something temporary. It's 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 affecting in so many ways. You see the light is not there, as you said it. What are some of the things they can do to start getting help? I often say to people, just try and cut down a bit first. Like get a little bit more control. I mean, I have been a drugs counsellor in my past for many years, and I've worked with all types of addiction as well. And most people don't just quit overnight. It might work for some people, but I'm just giving you the heads up. Most people need to just start getting into a slightly different routine. So for example, if they smoke weed every day on the way to school with a certain friend, they say to that friend, I can't do it on the way to school, but I'll do it after school. So they're dele- what they're doing is they're delaying. So maybe they're not using as many drugs. So reducing is really good. So if they smoke weed at eight o'clock every night and it's a big, big joint, can they smoke at nine o'clock at night and have just a small joint? (laughs) Can they start doing other hobbies? So thinking about why, this is often why I think it's really important. Why is someone smoking it? If they're smoking it because they can't sleep, then look at other ways to help you sleep. For example, sleep meditation. It's just, and it's trial and error. So like, I have taken loads of drugs in the past. That's why I have a lot of information work-wise, professionally, personally. And I had to try out so many different things. And everyone is very different. So what works for me might not work for you. But the main thing is just try it. And if you can't really work it out on your own, don't be scared to get a bit of professional help. Because sometimes when we think of professional help, we think of once a week for two hours for six months. Well, actually, no, it could be a one-off. <laughs> it could be one appointment for an hour, and that's all you need. So it's what works for you. It's very bespoke. 
I guess that even just starting to get help is already like a shift that is a shift in mindset and a shift in openness and on like in in talking about it with each other and trying to solve the problem so I, I think it's really it's really key it's an admission of like we have a problem here and we want to walk through this together yeah most people who do that job by the way have been there and done it <laughs> so they totally understand yeah stacy miller this has been a pleasure to explore uh, this and a lot of parents need to hear this and i'm sure they're grateful of hearing this where can people go and learn more about what you do so thank you for having me. I hope some parents have had some info. And if you ever want to reach out as a parent for a bit of extra advice, just give me a shout. So I'm on social media. So I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn as Stacy G. Miller, or just search for my business name, which is Stacy Miller Consultancy. And my website is stacymillerconsultancy.co.uk. And we'll have all the sh- all the details in the show notes, including information like all the specific links to the platforms where you can find Stacey Miller. Uh, Stacey, thank you so much for all that you do and for the, raising the awareness for uh, parents and, and for adults that, that need to hear these. And thank you for the tips and may all parents be able to agree on their boundaries. Amen to that. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for having me. You keep up the great work too, Ziv. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Teen Drug Abuse Podcast. To get additional resources and support, go to teendrugabuse.co.